The Ensemble podcast is intended for professional financial advisors. All discussion is limited to publicly available information and should not be interpreted as legal, professional or financial advice. Ensemble does not hold an AFS licence nor provide any financial services. Before making investment decisions, you should obtain financial advice from a qualified financial advisor. Hey guys, it's Ben Nash here. I'm one of the co-founders at Ensemble and founder of financial advice company Pivot Wealth, which is my business baby I started from scratch a little bit over seven years ago. In that time, I've leveraged some of the learnings of the Ensemble community to scale the business to become one of the better known financial advice companies for high income accumulators in Australia. And through this podcast, you can join me each Tuesday as I have the absolute privilege of interviewing some amazing people where I'm going to selfishly be able to learn and continue my journey to improve every area of my advice business. Hopefully, you can learn a few things on that journey as well. Jump over to Ensemble.com and if you haven't already signed up to learn and share from others or simply download the app. This podcast is proudly sponsored by NetWealth. Imagine a world where you can offer clients access to local and international investments. A world where you can engage with clients meaningfully, backed by powerful data and insights with mobile-friendly technology. A world where you can build business efficiencies through scaled managed accounts and bulk reporting. And a world where you can get all the latest news, research and insights to spot the changes that really matter. Wealth is more than just money. It's about opportunity and progress. A world of opportunity awaits you at netwealth.com.au forward slash woo. Hey guys, Ben Nash from the Ensemble team. And today I'm here with Warren Strybosch. Warren is a founder and MD of The Fine Group. Uh, basically, uh, he's a man that likes to keep busy, uh, accountant, financial planner, also runs a non-profit. Warren uh, is uh, listed in the, the top 50 most influential financial advisor in Australia and IFA award winner. Warren, great to have you here, mate. Yeah, thanks, Ben. I'm really um, pleased that I was able to come on today. Thanks. I am someone that always likes to keep myself busy as well, but uh, I, I feel like he's taking it to another level with the amount of stuff that you're involved in. So I'm, I'm keen to uh, yeah have, have a chat about how you've ended up there and um, yeah, some, some of the lessons along the way. I thought a good place to start was really just, I suppose, that journey really, how um, what your journey looks like in advice and how you've ended up where you are today, essentially. Yeah, thanks, Ben. So um, it's been a really actually an interesting journey. So my background is I started studying accounting and halfway through my accounting course, I actually ended up getting into the army. And um, that's probably another whole story there because I've got an identical twin brother who, from my perspective, I reckon I got tricked to going into the army. But anyway... Um, so I actually got into the army and unfortunately when I was in the army, I tore discs in my back and so I got medically discharged um, from the army because of all the torn discs and, uh, and so I left the army and for some reason, I, you know, in hindsight, I decided just to ring up Deacon and say what course you've got offering because I was living closer to Deacon at the time and uh, they said we've got a teaching course so I just actually just jumped into teaching, did a double degree, majored in psychology and statistics. And I always thought I would get back into business and most likely accounting. And then um, yeah, a couple of years into teaching, well, so I started studying again. Um, this guy came along in the regional town that I was living in, called himself a financial advisor. And back then, ASIC didn't have their registered, you know, really up to date. And unfortunately, that guy who knew a lot of people in the community actually took everyone for a ride. And so a lot of people in that community lost their homes, people got divorced, you know, marriages broke down. 
um, and people got sick from this whole incident that occurred. And it just made me really realize, because a lot of these people were 10, 15 years older than myself, uh, and thankfully I didn't get involved, I actually found out about it. And so it made me really think about, okay, if I'm ever going to get into business, I really need to make sure that this never, ever happens again to any of my clients. And so I kind of did a segue and went into financial planning first, and so became a financial planner. And then eventually finalised or finished my accounting qualifications. And so I've had the, the benefit of being a financial planner going into accounting, whereas a lot of other accountants try and do financial planning. And so uh, that was my journey um, into the whole sphere of uh, financial planning and accounting, believe it or not. It's, uh, you, and you've got, like, you've got your fingers in a, in a lot of pies. What does your business look like at the moment and, and what sort of people are you, are you working with? Yeah, so um, obviously um, I'm I'm the main accountant and financial planner in the business. We've actually got Erin who joined us last year as another financial planner. We have uh, overall about 15 staff and uh, I'm actually, we're about to hire uh, another two staff. So, well, we're hiring another person to help in the accounting side of the business shortly and we've actually got one of the power planners who is going to become a financial planner. So she'll be working in the financial planning business. Uh, Some of those staff though, so out of those 15 staff, we have about, seven or eight who work in the non-for-profit business that we set up a number of years ago. So it's a bit diverse in that regard. I'm keen to talk more about that, but in terms of the the financial planning and uh, and accounting, you know, insurance super and, and the more, you know, financial advice side of the business, what does a what does a client look like and what do you do for them? Yeah. So when I first started out in financial planning, it was very niche. And uh, I, you know, obviously um the words that we don't talk about now is double gearing and all that kind of stuff and cash flow management and debt uh, recycling. Uh, so I used to do that when I first started out. And so obviously from there, I actually decided to move away from that and actually become more of a, I suppose you would call it more of a generalist financial advisor. The things that we do well is obviously the personal insurance and the superannuation, but our business has um, changed over time. So we now do a lot of retirees. So we look after retirees or pre-retirees. And so that's our focus of our financial planning business now. And so we, um, yeah, we concentrate on more of that side of the business while still looking after our accumulators. Okay. And how did that, how did that shift come about? What, what drove it and uh, how did you end up there? Yeah. I just think, you know, I'm 51. So I just, you know, they talk about that you start picking up clients 10 years either side of yourself. And I just think it's partly my age. Uh, I also play lawn bowls, so I and um, I get on well with a, a lot of people who are a bit older than myself. Um, sit down, have a cup of tea, in that discussion. Uh, that's that's one way. Also, what happened as part of my journey is that um, you know in the work that I did, I've started to get recognised. You know, obviously, you know, winning the IFA awards, and one of the other things that kind of helped me with the whole retirement side of things was that I got invited by Australian Super to be one of their representatives, so to be put on their website and. Um, you know, look after some of their clients. And so that's obviously led towards um, more retiree clients for our business in that regard as well. So it's, I've been really fortunate um, to, you know, pick up those awards, get recognised for the work that we do from the non for profit you know, write those articles in the local community papers, et cetera. And so it's just, just getting that brand out there or getting known in the community for someone or for the advice that we that we do. Yeah, I think it's natural. I've noticed with our clients, like we've been going seven years at Pivot Wealth uh, or a bit over seven years and, the the client starts to get older as you get older, which seems like a weird yeah. thing because it's it's partly a, a natural thing. Warren, tell us about the non for profit and how how did that all come about and and what is it that you guys are up to there? Yeah, so this it's an interesting journey for me. So probably about six seven years ago, I actually had a friend of mine who I used to go to 
um, primary school with. She used to live across the road from us. Um, and we were good friends, our fam- family friends. And uh, and she passed away about six years ago. And look, she had cancer previous to that and, and she was, um, you know, she got through that, but then all of a sudden she passed away. And so I, I didn't think I was going to be so affected by anyone who might pass away. You know, you know, death is part of life, so to speak. But it actually really had an impact on me. I actually had to sit down and kind of like process this whole situation and what had occurred. And, uh, and it just made me start to think about, well, what am I doing with my life? You know, what am I doing with my business? And, you know, you talk, you hear about triple bottom line, which is the whole commercial thing of doing something socially and environmentally. But for me, it was about a legacy. You know, what am I doing that I'm, what am I going to leave behind when I pass away? What are my kids going to say about me? What is the community going to say about me? And so I really gave some thought about what can I do that will have an impact locally and what can I do that will have an impact also overseas. And so I've made a deliberate decision within my business to actually put funds towards doing community work. And so we set up a non-for-profit. We call it the Fine Foundation. And what we do within that um, non-for-profit is that we actually set up community papers. So it's not a newspaper, so we're not trying to be a newspaper. What we're trying to do is provide a platform where every non-for-profit school and sporting club can get free advertising but in one place within their local shire and start to then get that word out there so that those organisations can tell their story and also provide a platform where they'd like to say they can do their free advertising um, to you know let people know that they're running events. You know, would it be a school fete or would it be a, a bowling event or something that might help them uh, with, with their organisation as well. And so that's the community side of it all. Um, and so, you know, and then obviously from that, we set up an, a networking group to run alongside it to try and help to support that community paper. Um, and then obviously overseas, um, I'm trying to help, um, you know, in a developing country to uh, provide work. So I can't give sewing machines. It's not my thing. But what I've identified is, is that I might be able to help um, provide jobs um, to other people. So either through my work or getting other small business owners to support or hire people overseas because I've, I've got that teaching background. So I've got that connection with universities over there. And also, um, you know, we've also got, I've got a, that church link over there in, in overseas as well. So that's part of what I'm trying to achieve is do something more than myself, basically. And I love that. I uh, have been using uh, offshore team based out of the Philippines for a bit over three years. And I actually just was just winding up for a trip over there. I have been to the Philippines about 12 or so years ago, um, but was just winding up after starting working with this uh, offshore team uh, just when COVID was kicking off. And COVID obviously put a pin in that. Just got there for the first time over the Christmas break uh, to catch up with our, our team there. And yeah, it was it was really eye-opening they're based out of Cebu in the Philippines and uh you, you know the the area where the offices are is one of the BPO IT park type areas and like really lovely but it's amazing that you see you know you you don't have to go too far from from those areas and you're seeing people that uh are you know really poor um and yeah. and you, you see the difference and even talking to our team some of the stories that uh, you know, family and uh, that sort of stuff that you see that it, it really does make a difference. And, uh, you know, looking at numbers, what people get paid in BPOs versus national average incomes and all those sorts of things, you see that there is a real life-changing impact there. So that's really awesome to see. What's the 
what are your plans? Uh, what are your plans in in that space moving forward? Yeah, so um, obviously our aim is with these community papers to we set up one locally for where I live, which is in Maroondah, Shire. Um, then we got invited to do one in Geelong, um, and so now obviously there's the vision because initially it was just I was just going to do my local area, and so now there's a potential that we could probably set um, one up for communities all across Victoria. Uh, so that's obviously just going to take time to do that. And we're not really trying to rush it because we're trying to still work out how it all works, um, even for the ones that we've already set up. But for overseas, uh, yeah, so Philippines is where we, where I've actually decided to try and support those people. But we're not in Manila. We're in Ilio Ilio or just outside it, which is in a province called Honeywai. And it would be like you were talking about, you know, um, more of the poorer people or poorer locations. So, you know, for instance, um, some of the people that we've hired, you you go to their homes. And so I made a deliberate decision that uh, last July when I went over there that I actually would go and live with them. And so um, I would go and stay in their homes. Um, and, you know, some of these rooms would be like a single room, a toilet, but no kitchens. And that would be it, you know, like um, so a lot of these people, and that was a good place to live in, like that's a good place for them, you know, in that regard. And so I have a vision where we want to try and um, – buy land for these guys and so the, the, the staffing or the group of people who who work uh, over there we call a find hope today they would own that so it'd be like a co-op type, type of thing so nobody actually particularly owns it and like no one person and then we would build the building so we'd build accommodation and then the second second story would be where we would try and provide a place where they can work so we currently have so i have my own building in honeywhite um the two-story building that we uh, renovated and so we have um, like i said you know about 15 people working in that building uh, and that's really grown like so you know the first time i hired someone was probably five six years ago we had one and so now we're the 15 and we've actually invited other businesses to start looking at what we're doing and to support what we're trying to achieve and so yeah that's the vision is to get the land build these buildings give them better accommodation and then try and find other small businesses um, or find even within myself to try and provide ways where i can give them work because if we can give them the BPO equivalent wages, it makes a massive impact to them and their and their immediate families and also the communities around them. So that's um yeah, that's that's one of the things I'm trying to do. Man, I love that. Changing gears a, a little bit, you you've been at it for a while. What what have been the what's been the most challenging part of your journey to date? Yeah, I think everybody would say um, you know compliance would be probably one of the the biggest challenges. It's uh, ever since I joined financial planning. It's never just been a status quo. You know, there's always been changes. Uh, something is always occurring. Something's always happening from a legislation point of view that might have an impact on our businesses. Um, and so, yeah, so that's been quite big. But I think for myself, especially in these last few years, is because the business has been growing and we've, we've obviously got the accounting, financial planning and the non-for-profit, there's always something to do. And so there's been a lot of time spent working on the business rather just in the business per se. Um, my challenge is that I've got to do less than seventy hours a week, and so um, and that and that's and that's been a real challenge. And so I've made it, you know, like one of my things that I'm looking forward to doing, and I've been starting to do, is actually trying to just cook meals every night because it forces me to, you know, this is for the family. It's forces me to stop uh, earlier, prepare the meals, cook the meals, gives the kids a chance to talk to me, you know, and have that time. Because previously I would literally be eight o'clock at work all the way till dinner time, have dinner go back to work, you know, and it'll be bedtime. And I'd literally do that probably five, six times, you know, in the week. And so that wasn't self-sustainable. And so it's a having to make deliberate choices about how I would um, 
you know, reduce that workload. And, and you think getting extra staff would actually help you to reduce the workload, but, you know, having that extra staff means there's a lot more things that you've got to um, check or approve or, you know, look, look over. And so it actually creates another whole set of work that you, you didn't think would occur. So it's just trying to work all of that out. And so spending a lot of time on the business to try and free myself up is probably one of the things that I've been trying to work on over time. So, yeah. Yeah, I think in any business, there's always more to be done. Um, and you're right that it is that that payoff with staff that they're doing more, but then there's more things for you to to be across. And I think until you build a team to the point that you can bring in leaders in the team that can then, you know, lead and take over the, those responsibilities, that uh, you sort of end up to more time before you you get the time back. But I know for me personally, I've I've found that you know, having to put some barriers in place is is really crucial for me. Having kids was a, a game changer because um, it, it forced me to, you know, be there to help wifey out and, and you know, have that, you know, preserve family time, uh, meal time. Before that, uh, I was really struggling to, to find those boundaries. But uh, it is obviously important because you do all this work and it's great to have a, an impact. But uh, you've got to be able to, you know, impact the people around you as much as the people that are your clients and the the people that that, that are around them as well. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I think that obviously doing a lot, a lot of working in a lot of different areas as well. That it means this, you know, it sort of compounds as well. I imagine though that you mentioned you touched on at the start, bringing another advisor into the business now, promoting an advisor up. That that that's a that's a really important thing that at least you then don't have to be the advisor or the only advisor to do those things. How how have you gone about tackling that? Because it's something that isn't easy to do uh, and, and do in a way where you're maintaining the consistency and, and the things that you want from, from a business perspective. How did you tackle it at your end and, and you know, what have been the learnings on that journey for you? Yeah, so I made um, a deliberate decision uh, to find um, another advisor who was probably at a similar space where I was at, you know, and so I mean I'm big on partnerships, and so I, you know, try to partner with as many people as possible to, uh, you know, find those people who have the same um, values and worth ethic and everything that you might have. So mm-hmm. I was very fortunate that when I was, you know, when we all had to upgrade or do our skills, we had seven qualifications, and back then I had six, and I still had to do my um, you know, upgrade my financial planning qualifications. So I did my postgrad, and during that postgrad, I was very fortunate to meet Erin, and uh, and so she was uh, a single practice financial planner with some staff, and um, I just approached her and said, and she happened to live close to me, and so I think that was also ideal. Mm. And said, well, why don't we join forces? You know, why don't we basically um, bring our businesses together and consolidate, and uh, and you know, save on costs, and also you know, find synergies and all that kind of stuff. And that's that's what we've done. So we've been doing that now for I think it's um, over fourteen months now that we've been together, and it's been a fantastic experience. I'm pleased to say. Um, and so, and we're now just I've just had another discussion last week with another advisor in Terrelgan, and and this advisor has a different story. She's actually working for an industry fund, looking to potentially set up or go out on their own. And I think because um, we've really got some really good processes in place and a lot of support from you know staffing all that kind of stuff that we could probably offer that service to an advisor who either wants to set up themselves or has a small practice, especially with the community papers, we're able to 
quickly set that up and and put, give them give them support and, and set up a networking group and everything to help them to get the clients as well. And so um, I feel as though that we're in that space now that we can actually offer that kind of service to others. And so Erin and I, are, you know, talking about how you know that's something we would like to do, but also we've got a, an internal power planner who is uh, becoming a financial planner. She's going to get through a professional year this year, and so she'll work for both of us in that regard for, across the, both client client base. And so, yeah, I am actually looking forward to it because she'll be able to take up or do the work that I was doing from the financial planning side because I didn't have another financial planner per se looking after my client base. So I'm actually really stoked that, you know, this is going to be the next step. Yeah. Um, I probably won't know what to do with myself, to be honest with you. I'll be be handing all the work over to to her and going, right, okay, here you go. Thanks very much. So it'll be interesting to see how all that works out. So, yeah, I'm quite looking forward to that and having this other lady, Jody, who will help me on the accounting side as well. And so she'll, you know, you talk about leaders and so it's just bringing those people on board. And I think that's my next step is having these other people who will be able to do some of the work that I had to kind of check off and do. And um, Yeah, no, it's exciting. Sounds like dinner at the Strybosch house is is about to level up. (laughs) <laughs> from really south. That's great. How how have you tackled? Because one of the things that I have found challenging in in my business is creating consistency of uh, advice. You know, across advisors, every advisor is an individual, and um, they you know they they have their individual views on stuff. And when we hire advisors, we want to make sure, of course, that they're broadly aligned with the philosophies that we follow. Like we tend to follow a fairly investment approach and so we want to make sure with any advice that we bring in that they're aligned with that as well and we don't want you know if we brought in a, a stock picker advisor that that felt that their value was in you know finding out performance and that's going to be completely inconsistent with the, with the client experience so that's sort of a bit of an easy one but there's also you know there's a layer below that which is like how do they tackle certain decision points for clients creating a level of consistency in the outcome that clients get. What what have, it, have you done to ensure that occurs through your business in bringing new advisors in? Yeah, well, I'll just even take a step back and talk even about just the staffing. So we're very protective um, about the staff that we hire or anyone who works for us um, at all because um, we have got a like a really uh, – I consider them like a second family. So all my staff are like family and so we don't see, you know, even though – I'm the director or managing director and the boss of the business. I don't look at it that way. We're all on the same level and we're all supporting each other. We all have um, KPIs that we're all working towards as a, as individual different departments of each of the different businesses, but also as a total group. But when we do hire, it's like Lindsay Fox said. You know, you can um, you know you can train anybody, but you can't teach them character. And so our first prominent thing or the thing that we look for is what are their values. You know what? How do they come across as a person? Because um, we don't want the most qualified person out there. Uh, we found that sometimes having the most qualified person, if they're not level-headed and if they're not humble, can cause real issues within a business. And so we would rather have someone who is not as qualified, who has really great character, attitude, um, you know, will sh- will be loyal, hardworking. We'll train them up. And we'll get, and we'll, our end will be to then have a job for life, you know. So when we talk about hiring someone, we're not saying we're going to just hire you and hopefully it works out. We're like going, we've got to know that person. Um, and we're going, we're going to try and give you this job, you know, for the next 10, 15, 20 years, if, if that's the case, if that's what they want. 
Um, so that's the first thing we do is look at from a perspective of character rather than qualifications. The other thing we do is we've set up obviously processes. So from the insurance side of thing, um, we spend a lot of time going through all the different steps of what needs to happen. So anyone who comes aboard and, and you know, personal insurance is one of those necessary evils in most financial planning businesses. And a lot of advisors now don't really want to deal in that space because it, to be honest with you, it's it's fraught with difficulty and you could get it easily wrong. And, you know, it's, and it does take a lot of time. And I think clients realize how much time there is when you're dealing with personal insurance, but we've, We've got a process now that everybody can follow, you know, and so everybody goes through the same process. We do the same kind of reports. We're talking about the same type of the way that we look at insurances. And so everybody kind of knows that process. And it's the same with superannuation. We sat down and going, okay, well, this is our process for superannuation. This is what we do. But when it comes to like you talk about stock picks, well, I've got the qualifications to deal with shares. Um, the other advisors might not. And so, you know, sometimes you actually have to still have someone who is the specialist in that area who is dealing with that type of task um, yeah. but what you can do is you can have everybody working on certain tasks but then some people will be specialists in given tasks and so we'll have someone who you know i've got staff who work on super someone staff who work on personal insurances but they don't do both uh, we have some staff some staff who concentrate on centrelink um you know and so you know so we'll have that specific person that's going to be their specialization whereas i do you know the shares erin does shares as well so that's very fortunate um, but we might have advisors come on board who don't. And so, therefore, we've got to work with them um, to to support them, I suppose, from that perspective because we'll be those specialists and then they might decide to become specialists in other areas and so it complements the business. But the first and foremost, I said, you know, it's all about character first and uh, working as a family, you know, and I, I, t- I don't say that word loosely as family. We really do try and cultivate that they are like a family and so we try and do stuff together and, support each other on birthdays and all that kind of stuff so it's yeah it's important i love that mate and from a business perspective obviously holy grail as well that you bring people in you invest a lot of time and in getting them into your way of doing things that you want to keep them for as long as possible so uh makes a ton of ton of sense and i see, see the benefits in doing that warren what's um what's coming up for you what are you guys focused on now yeah so i'm yeah as you know like I, obviously i try and keep myself busy so um we're still trying to work out how the not-for-profit works because I'm like the key person for that uh, entity and uh, I want to try and remove myself from that so that all the staff have some ownership in that and so if something happens to me that that um, entity is still continuing on for the foreseeable future. But just other things that we're working on is that, um, I mean, I was wrapped to, to be invited on here and I uh, shortly after got invited to be um, one of the panellists for the Advisor Summit coming up this year. So that's going to be exciting to go to Sydney and Melbourne for that. Um, but my two key things I think I'm going to try to achieve this year is I'm actually trying to write or finish a, uh, a money financial planning book that I've had my um, thoughts on. Yeah, that's, that's going to be big. I'm trying, trying to just even complete it. So let's see how that goes. Because I wrote, wrote a novel a long time ago for my son and I said I'd try and do it before he... Um, could uh, speak, and then uh, by the age of ten, I'd finished it, and so <laughs> that, that didn't happen. So that was a that was a dragon book, you know, for him. Um, but yeah, so because um, that's one of my passions is I want to I want to write more, and so also we want to try and develop a course, uh, so a financial planning course. So so writing the book and the financial planning course for the financial planning business. I'm also about to buy my mentor's practice, uh, her accounting firm, that because um, she's retiring. Uh, that'll happen in first of July. So there's a lot of things going on this year. So pretty exciting in, uh, in regards to um, you know all that that stuff that's occurring. So, yeah, 
and I love it. I, I can speak from experience that writing uh, is something that's, um, uh, you know, a, a very rewarding experience, but also a time-consuming one. So, um, uh, yeah, I get it, but definitely, yeah, good, good to get get it out there as well. So look forward to seeing that. Mate, uh, my last question for you: If you could go back, if you could go back and do one thing differently, what would it be? <laughs> what would I do? That's one thing different. I think there's a few things that I might do that's different um, in that regard. I mean, one of the things I think I would have done if I had my time all over again is I probably would have finished my accounting course before I went to the army. That was unexpected. So that was a a Mm -hmm. journey to get back to finishing the accounting. But from a financial planning perspective, when I first got into financial planning, it was a very niche business. Uh, And so um, I think for many years, I was concentrating on learning a specific type of financial planning. And even though that was great and it was a good experience to do that, um, I probably would have looked forward to being more with a generalist kind of financial planning business that covered across like all aspects of financial planning. And, and um, I think that would have helped and probably even a larger firm. So, you know, I think it's good to be under people who have had a lot of experience. And yeah, so looking back, I probably would have liked to have worked probably in a different type of business um, and had more of, a, more of a generalist understanding or learning because I think it took me a long time to get to where I am, whereas possibly that might have been a bit quicker for me if I'd had a different time of genuine experience. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, there's a right way there, but I think both have their both have their upsides and downsides. So. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Warren, thank you so much for taking the time. For anyone that's keen, because I know that we haven't really spoken too much about it, but as you said, you sort of touched on a little bit that you are um, looking to potentially, you know, expand the the audience, uh, advisors, community, the people getting around some of the the processes and support structures that you put in place. Um, what's what's the best way for someone to learn more about that? Yeah, look, they could just just reach out to myself, you know, like they can look me up in LinkedIn or, you know, obviously the Fine Foundation they can look up. So, yeah, if there's any advisors out there that run small practices that are looking to possibly consolidate or go with someone who's a little bit bigger, you know, that's a space that we're looking at as well. I, you know, like I said before, I feel as though we've got some good processes and some other services that can help them to grow their business. So we don't necessarily want to just take them over. What we want to do is we want to partner with them so they're still running their own business but we're all doing it together, you know, so that's, um, yeah, so they can just reach out and call me or just write email or even, you know, through, through this podcast and they happen to hear it, they can just get my details from here. So, yeah. Awesome, mate. Well, uh, thank you again. Really appreciate you taking the time with, especially with all the things that you've got on the go. Uh, and I very much look forward to seeing that book when it comes out as well. Yeah, great, Ben. I'm really pleased. Or I'm, I'm, um, yeah, just thank you so much for inviting me to come on the podcast. It's always humbling when people invite you to do these kind of things. So thanks very much. Hey, great to chat. Cheers, guys. All good. We'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>